Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I'm here with my co-host. I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker, comedian, and I'm a blockbuster exclusive. <laughs> you were a blockbuster <laughs> exclusive for quite some time, actually. I worked for them, then I quit, then I worked for them, and, uh, you know, if they come back, I... Not against the working. Yeah. They're a little too corporate, but if there was like an indie video store I could work for right now, I would be okay with that. Right. That'd be yeah. nice. Yeah, your blockbuster days. Uh, you got some nostalgia. What a difference. Yeah. You remember that? Blockbuster oh, was video. That wow, what a difference. That's not even a very good slogan. No. Like a difference terrible. from what? Yeah. I think I think I changed the rhythm too. Well, right. I think, yeah. I, did you notice that, Dave? I made it a little talking headsy. Yeah, you got was- it. You got a little, it. Yeah. A little catchy. This, this could be the place. I think they meant a difference from all the other video stores that they put out of business. Yeah, they're different because they're open and the other ones are closed. They put themselves out of business. That too by Netflix. Anyway, in this season of Awesome Movie Year, we've been talking about the films of 1999. Really, a heyday of blockbuster video. Yes, including this blockbuster exclusive that, that we're talking about today. That it was. It is our cult classic or future cult classic pick. Troy Duffy's The Boondock Saints, which in true cult classic form completely disappeared on its initial release and became a blockbuster exclusive on home video. And that is where it really found its devoted audience and built up a following over the past 20 plus years and uh, saved Troy Duffy's career, I guess, even though it's uh, questionable what kind of career he has at the moment. But it's, it's all Boondock Saint related, really. <laughs> Yeah, it's all Boondock Saint related, but he's still generating revenue from it. I think he is, although there is, there's a question of how much of the revenue he actually got. I think did he he sued or something. There was a whole process. So maybe he's getting money right. now. For a long period of time, however, he did not partake in the success of this film. But of course, initially, I mean, there's a whole uh, there's a whole crazy backstory of this film, which That's was better than the film. That is better than the film is chronicled in the documentary Overnight. Um, kind of. I Some mean, of it. I watched overnight in preparation for this. It, I, it's a really fun documentary yeah, to watch. Yeah, But it's definitely like, you know, a, a hit job on Duffy. But Troy Duffy himself would probably admit that he set himself up for a hit job at this point in time in his life. Yeah, I saw it. Well, you and I saw it together overnight a while ago. Um, and I do remember finding it entertaining. But certainly the concept of the movie is to take down Troy Duffy. Um, but But briefly... He wrote this uh, spec script. It was a huge sensation. It was eventually picked up by Miramax in its heyday with the Weinsteins and uh, some clashes between Troy Duffy and Harvey Weinstein. They eventually dropped it, Miramax, and it was picked up by another. I forget what the name Franchise? Franchise, yeah. Some probably defunct company, but did eventually pick up the project and give Troy Duffy $6 million to make it, which is not probably as much as he would have gotten from Miramax or Paramount, which was going to do it at one point, but it's still not that bad. Miramax had a $15 million budget, but yeah, $6 million, And like you said, it, I mean, they released it in the theater for like a few days so they could get Oscar consideration. I think it was maybe. five theaters is what it, what I had read. But either way, yeah, it's yeah. essentially nothing. Made $30,000, $30,471. So you think this thing is dead again and again and again, and then it becomes the blockbuster exclusive. And it's one of the best selling, you know, uh, home video rentals of all time. Over $50 million made just from home video rentals, Josh. Yeah, it's it's something that clearly audiences wanted. And maybe if the distributor had released it in more than five theaters or more than one theater for five days or whatever it was, uh, it might have reached an audience. It did get more extensive releases overseas. In fact, we're talking about this in our 99 season because it was released in November 1999 in Denmark, but not until 2000 in the U.S. in its very small release. There you go. Scandinavia, always ahead of us, Josh. Yes. I mean, and elsewhere, too, but that was the first, the first place it was released and then, and then further overseas. Hey, Josh, if you were going to go to a Scandinavian country, which one would you go to? Well, I'd go to Denmark so I could see the Boondock Saints. Mm, good, good answer. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so because it was such a small release, it was kind of tough to find reviews for this movie that actually came out when the movie came out. Um, there have been a lot of retrospective reviews, uh, especially as it's become this cult classic and especially when the sequel was released in 2009 or when Overnight was released in 2004. 
But in terms of the initial release, there weren't that many. But I did find a few, starting with Variety, which, of course, will review uh, anything no matter how small the release is. And uh, as we're, we're often amused by the uh, predictions of what will happen from the time, uh, Robert Kohler in Variety said, a belated entry in the hipster crime movie movement that began with Reservoir Dogs, Troy Duffy's Boondock Saints mixes blood and Catholic-tinged vigilante justice in excessive portions for sometimes wacky and always brutal effect. More interested in finding fresh ways to stage execution scenes than in finding meaning behind the human urge for self-appointed righting of wrongs, Pick is stuffed with effects that have no lasting impact. Highlighted by Willem Dafoe's most eccentric turn since his deranged Bobby Peru in Wild at Heart, this limited release will fly under the radar of most gunslinger fans, who will catch up with it at their local vid hangout. Well, they did. They did. So that was correct. Oftentimes we get these uh, wildly inaccurate predictions from Variety. The thing, one... the thing is, though, like, this is definitely not a hipster shoot 'em up Like, there's nothing. This is like a grunge new metal shoot 'em up or something like that. There's nothing hipster about the dialogue or about the characters. This is kind of the opposite of a hipster shoot 'em up I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea is that it sort of comes from the same uh, background as like Tarantino movies in that it's outside Hollywood. It's certainly Troy Duffy was an outsider, yeah. self-taught, much like Tarantino was, but, you know, worse. Right. But you don't, you, like these characters, maybe you like them, maybe you don't, but you're not like, oh, they're so cool. Like, a Vincent Vega type or something like that. They're not that. And the dialogue certainly isn't clever or good in any way. But it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the characters, part of what's really kind of pathetic about this movie is that the characters are meant to be cool. Maybe yeah. not Vincent Vega cool, but you're meant to think they're like awesomely badass. That's what I got out of it too. Yeah. I mean, they kind of like from a film standpoint, they did some awesomely badass things, like the way they took out all nine of those Russian mobsters while hanging upside down on a rope in the 360 camera shot that you love so much. Yeah, my favorite shot, <laughs> as you know. But actually, that was an effective shot there. And that sequence, you know, shows them as awesome badasses, doesn't it? I mean, it's meant to, sure. But I just think it comes off as lame and sad, as does most of this movie. Okay. What, well, what do you, why, lame I can understand, but what's sad about it? I mean, the way that it's trying so hard to make them seem badass when they're just these really crappy characters, poorly acted with terrible accents. Well, they do try hard. I'll, they I'll, do. I'll yeah. Go with that. I can see I'm going to have to defend this movie more than I might like to. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, not, well, not everyone uh, was, was down on it. However, uh, Nathan Rabin in the AV Club hated this film. He said, Less a proper action thriller than a series of gratuitously violent set pieces strung together with only the sketchiest semblance of a plot, The Boondock Saints is clearly designed to appeal to heartless armchair sadists. As written and directed by newcomer Troy Duffy, The Boondock Saints is all style and no substance, a film so gleeful in its endorsement of vigilante justice that it almost veers or ascends into self-parody. Satire or self-parody would be vastly preferable to the film's unironic endorsement of outlaw justice, but you'd be hard-pressed to find anything resembling irony or subversiveness in this exercise in lovingly rendered ultraviolence. Yeah, I gotta say, first, maybe it's because like I have already seen it and like I know the whole story behind it, but the fact that it takes itself so seriously... I kind of like dug into that as like, oh, this is juicy, <laughs> you know, like it definitely takes itself way too seriously and fails on a lot of levels. But at the same time, I'm like, man, Troy Duffy loves him some Troy Duffy, you know? So Yeah, that's I, I don't see any of those things as positives. Certainly. I don't know why I think I think it's just that it was so self-indulgent that I just was like. Yeah, he really, uh, you know, at the age of 24, 25, got the world handed to him. Maybe he lost it, but he took it for a while there for, for a ride, didn't he? I guess. I mean, but you know what else is self-indulgent? The room. And like, I love the room. All right. But I feel like this is almost on the level of that. No, come where on. It, Technically, this is far better. Than it that. is. But I mean, it's it's similar in the sense of this sort of like weirdo outsider who gets handed the opportunity or takes the opportunity to make his own 
terrible vision and just you you can't deny that he went for it as you're saying but what he went for is 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 terrible but you can say that but Josh, i can like as you mentioned there was a bidding war for this thing and i can't imagine tons why tons of what tons is, of stars wanted to be in this movie what they got was wrong with Defoe, those people yeah you know so i don't think you can say this is like the room where it's just one guy's vanity project this was a script that connected on a lot of levels with a lot of major players in Hollywood. Yeah. And that just baffles me entirely because it feels like a bigger budget version of something like the room. It feels like a vanity project for a crazy person. I, I just, I guess it had so much support and uh, you know, in the end enemies over the years because of the support that like, I just can't, it's definitely a vanity project and he's definitely a crazy person, but I don't think I can just qualify it as a vanity project for a crazy person all based right. on um, its history and how much money like Harvey Weinstein was supposed to buy this dude a bar to seal the deal. Yeah. You know, well, Harvey Weinstein guy who makes a lot of good judgments guy, guy who you want to meet at bar. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> and uh, to be fair, didn't the room have the exact same budget as this movie? $6 million. Oh or was God. It- yeah, you're right. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, different, uh, different gangsters. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Manola Dargis in LA Weekly was a little more kind, a little kinder to this. She said, writer, director, Troy Duffy making his feature debut is not without talent, but it's unclear whether he's capable of producing an original idea. He's assembled a fine cast. It's hard to take your eyes off the two young leads, but he's given them little to do but squeeze triggers and mouth platitudes. The guns and cliches may have been what attracted Harvey Weinstein's attention three years ago when the Miramax executive, somewhat infamously, snapped up Duffy's screenplay, but it's not enough to save the movie from its creator's more derivative instincts. Yeah, and that's why this is a cult classic. It wasn't, it wasn't for the critics, but clearly it resonated with an audience. And I don't really want to know who those people are or meet them. I bet you have met plenty of people. Probably so, movie. sadly. I will just want to take one issue with her specifically here. Uh, the two young leads, they're terrible. I mean, maybe they're good actors elsewhere, but they're, they're awful in this movie. Uh, Sean Patrick Flannery and Norman Reedus to give them uh, credit. Yeah, it's there's definitely a stoicism, shall we say, to the performances. <laughs> that is one way to put it. I would say they're blank flat barely present and norman reedus is a huge you know fixture on television with well the walking dead and sean patrick flannery works constantly in europe i think right i mean that's i'm not saying that these guys can't do good work or haven't done good work in other things but it's a lot of i mean it comes down to also the writing and the directing and these characters are such nothings i was watching this movie and i got to the end and i realized I don't know what the characters' names are. Connor and Murphy? Well, yeah. I mean, I can look them up. But yes, yeah. I, I knew they were the McManus brothers. But, That's right. You did know their names. The but McManus I didn't know their brothers. individual, like, they might as well have just been one person, like, divided into two. But I think that's the point. They were one person divided into two. All right. All right. Aren't they fraternal twins or something? I guess. Although I didn't, I only also learned that from uh, reading uh, the Wikipedia summary. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, you've put me in the unenviable <laughs> position of defending this thing more than I'd like to, but I definitely don't think it's as bad as you do. All right, fair enough. Well, um, none of us are in the uh, cult of the Boondock Saints, I don't think. But Jason, you and I watched this together a number of years ago, and I don't remember, I'd never seen it before, but I don't remember if you had. I, you know, this and part of the big audience was like film, film kids in college, right? And I definitely remember my friend. Ryan McNamara, you know, like you got to watch this. And I don't think I ever watched a full thing, but I definitely remember that scene that we talked about where they're hanging from the rope upside down, you know, just murdering Russian gangsters. And then I think the first time I watched it in full was with you. Yeah. And we didn't, we didn't like it. And yet I went on and watched the sequel and you did, I know for this yeah, podcast. But only but, recently, I certainly yeah. never wanted to watch it uh back then man maybe this was like maybe i liked it more this time but i think that's just because i was like man this is so self-indulgent i'm i'm gonna just go with it wow i think i liked it less this time not that i i went in thinking like oh yeah i didn't really like this and then watching it this time i thought 
This is just shockingly terrible. This is one of the worst movies we've ever covered on here. Wow. Nice. I love it. So, Dave, had you seen this? This is one of those movies I can't remember if I've ever actually watched. It was around my group of friends, I'm sure, back in college, but uh, it felt like the first time watching David it just uh, now. had a lot of white new metal friends back then. I, I too, had a lot of white new metal yeah. friends. Oh, uh, so gross. And yet somehow <laughs> didn't see this. The, the music, Dave, as I mean, the music in this movie is horrendous. One of the worst scores I've maybe ever heard. You don't like The Brood, <laughs> a.k.a. The Boondock Saints? That's I mean, the there's only a little bit of them, but we have to give credit. Is it is it Jeff Dana, the, the composer? Yeah, I think that's the name I saw. The majority of the music is his, and it's just, it's just dreadful. Yeah. I mean, you know, Josh... <laughs> You're trashing Troy Duffy, but beyond this, right? He like he had like one of the greatest deals in the history of Hollywood, right? They bought his script, they gave him a chance to direct it, right? They set him up to possibly make other projects, including the documentary, and he got signed to a major record label deal that included them doing songs for this soundtrack. Like, I've never heard of that deal before or since. No, and I mean, I wouldn't blame him for taking an opportunity. And I'm not even necessarily trashing him as a person, although if you watch Overnight, he does not seem like a great person. Yeah. But my point is that the movie sucks. Right, right. But uh, <laughs> they have to be capable musicians if they're getting major label deal with uh, I mean, you know, the chance to score their own movie, right? I mean, it's not like they can't play their instruments. It's just the result is bad. <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't like it. I mean, it's not my type of music, but they seem capable of making music. They are capable of making music. Yeah. And Troy Duffy is capable of making a movie. Yeah. That's, or two, possibly a third. Yeah, maybe so. But that's that's really all I can say here, that all the credit I can give him. Well, I like the story behind. I think this is one of those movies, the story behind the story is so much more fascinating than the movie that it's like all wrapped up in one for me now. Yeah, no, the story behind the story is fascinating. And I'm sure there's, is, is there a lot, is there anything in the book that, uh, that you are always bringing up? No, because oh. like you said, this like was barely released oh, okay. ever anywhere ever yeah. in the history of movie making. <laughs> blockbuster exclusive but i'm sure there's there's articles or or maybe even you know film books where where it delves into this and certainly overnight as a documentary is, is fascinating to watch i would say read or watch those things and don't watch the movie i would say watch the movie and then the documentary because it gives you definitely more of a feel of the appreciation for the documentary but i mean look let's just put this on the table like I listened to this huge podcast. Uh, it was almost two hours with a Troy Duffy interview. Man, that yeah. is that is endurance on your yeah, part. Yeah, and I had actually listened to it earlier this year because it's a good podcast, Indie Film Hustle with Alex Ferrari. And then in going and because I knew we were doing this movie, I went and re-listened to it. So that's almost like four hours of Troy Duffy. That's I a lot of to. time to spend with Troy Duffy. Plus the documentary, which I rewatched, right? So like closer to six hours of Duffy, maybe. So and yet you still uh respect him no i'm not i'm not, i'm just like i'm just like his convictions about himself are so deep that i'm like all right man i'm just going with it you know um but i will say this he does say like he was an idiot for letting his friends make the documentary obviously he thinks it was edited to make him look worse but he doesn't deny that he said the things that he said and also that he was a real a-hole back then so yeah, um, I mean, I think the documentary is the best thing to come out of this, so I'm glad he allowed them to do that. At least at least he's ta he's owned it and said like, "Hey, I really was an a-hole. This doesn't make me look good. They went out of their way to make me look bad, but I would have looked bad anyway." I know? mean, what what else can you do? Again, going back to the room, Tommy Wiseau saying, "Oh, yeah, I mean, I meant to make a funny movie." Like, what else can you do at that point? You got to leave it. I'm into just saying, it. I mean, you know, he could go the other way and be like, "This is all a lie." And this is just creative editing and everything like that. So, I mean, I give them credit for owning it. You yeah. Know? All right. Well, I mean, we, we've gotten through a lot of here, the crazy backstory, but do you want to mention anything else specifically about it? No, Josh, I don't. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll discuss more things related to the, the, the crazy way that this movie came together when we come back and talk about our general thoughts on the Boondock Saints. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1999, we are talking about our future cult classic pick, 
the Boondock Saints by Troy Duffy. And what is there to say about the Boondock Saints? It's ostentatious. It's indulgent. It is uh, abrasive. (laughs) It is uh, full of uh, long shots of violence and slow motion. Willem Dafoe's in a wig at one point in time. There's Catholicism and opera. There's tattoos and dark coats. Yep, there's all of those things in this movie. <laughs> what do you, you want really, me to say? You really encapsulated the vibe of this film right there. What do you there. want me to say, man? I, I, you're, you're, you've been designated the defender of this movie. Okay, so. I'll defend the movie, right? What, uh, what Troy Duffy said is um, that he took a theme and he just twisted it a little. So as opposed to making like a, hey, you wronged me, so now I'm going to get my revenge on you. It was, you wronged society, so now we're going to kill you, pretty much. So that kind of vigilante justice, he felt kind of like helped set, set it apart from other things. And it does kind of carry the story. And I'm done. <laughs> the story. This movie really does. I, you know, I will say as terrible as the Boondock Saints 2 is, it has a much more like defined plot. Really? It's, it makes no sense, but at least you're like, I sort of see there's like a narrative. There's a goal in mind, you know, that the characters are pursuing. Um, there's a goal in this one. They're killing all the bad guys. Kill all the bad guys. Kill yeah, everyone. There were points during this movie that I wasn't sure at all what was happening. Like, it just seemed like things. These yeah. guys, they had to defend themselves against the Russian mobsters. They go to jail for safe holding. And they have, uh, you know, a religious epiphany. And they say, you know what? We have to make society safe, not just for ourselves, for everyone. So we're going to clean up this city by murdering bad guys. So then they go and they murder a lot of bad guys. And then a bad guy's like, well, you're going you're gonna to try to murder me. I'm going to get someone to murder you. And then Billy Connolly, who's been in jail for like 25 years, is not in jail anymore. How did he get out? Okay, so now Billy Connolly is trying to shoot up the two brothers, and the two brothers are trying to shoot him. And then Rocco's like, I'm the funny man. Oh, man. We haven't even gotten to Rocco. And in the end, they kill a lot of bad guys. They find out that Billy Connolly is their dad, and now they're the Boondock Saints, and they're going to go kill bad guys together. All the while, Josh, we're learning about a lot of their actions from FBI agent Paul Smecker, who's trying to put this together in a delightfully scene-eating performance by Willem Dafoe. Well, let me address that last point <laughs> first. Willem Dafoe, first of all, great. Amazing. Wonderful actor. Fascinating screen presence. Often plays crazy-ass characters in a, in a mesmerizing way. Is terrible in this film. I mean, again, it's, it's self-indulgent and... Maybe there was no real, you know, maybe there was the direction of like, go as far out as you want or whatever. But like, you know, could this could this not have been Josh? Could <laughs> this Troy Duffy, Willem Dafoe connection be a more modern version of Werner Herzog and Klaus Kinski? <laughs> no, no, it could not be. <laughs> now, Willem Dafoe has worked with Werner Herzog, hasn't he? Probably. I, I'm sure he must Probably have. Klaus Kinski, too. Yeah. Um, maybe not, but no, if know. not, they should. He's, he's amusing in this movie. I didn't find it amusing. I just found it really irritating and really just, just misguided and miscalculated. And, and I'm willing to give most of the blame to Troy Duffy because this is- Because we know Willem Dafoe is good. Right. Willem Dafoe is good. And, and like you said, I, he probably just said, hey, Willem, remember when you were crazy in all these other movies? Why don't you do like 10 times that much? And- he wrote the dialogue. He wrote the actions. I'm sure he came up with the brilliant idea to dress Willem Dafoe in drag and have him seduce some mobster henchmen looking like Bugs Bunny in one of those cartoons where he dresses as a girl bunny. And Willem Dafoe, being a uh, professional, said, this is what my director has asked of me and I will do it. He looked like he was having a good time. Maybe he was, maybe he was, but he, 
this is not a good use of Willem Dafoe's craziness. How about this quote from Troy Duffy? And this almost feels like it's from extras from the Ricky Gervais show about just uh, how on the nose it is without trying to be. Uh, I wrote it in three sections. I wrote the very beginning and then I started thinking of cool shit for the middle. Then somehow between the beginning and the middle, the ending dictated itself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is, he might as well have just said like, I don't know how to write a screenplay and I decided not to learn. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything you liked in the movie? There had to be something, right? No. You didn't like, uh, and none of the shot selection. Not really. I mean, again, if there's anything kind of cool, it's just because he's copying other, every, anything that he did well, you could argue, you know, Tarantino or even other Tarantino knockoffs did better. Mm. Like what's baffling to me most is not just that this is a bad movie, because there were plenty of bad, you know, cool crime movies in the 90s that nobody cared about. What baffles me is that this movie has this ardent fan base of people who think it's good or more than that, it's like their favorite movie. Yeah, they get the tattoos. I uh, just, that is just beyond. There's all the merch, you know? Right. Maybe there will be a comeback tour for the band. Who knows? Probably not. (laughs) I think in the band, didn't they put out an album or something at one point? Less than 700 copies. But at that time, there were 700 too many, really. Infighting and, you know, each other anyway. Uh, No, like I said, I remember thinking like this was dumb when we watched it however many years ago. But watching it this time, I just thought this is is just horrendous and and so misguided. How how homophobic is this film? Again, you know, I'm not going to defend that, obviously, right? But there, this is that, you know, 90s uh, kind of macho vibe of, like, making fun of gay is, like, supposed to be funny, right? And we've seen that in tons of movies, and it's not, you know? But that that was not... He's not the only guy to do this. No, but I feel like he really does it uh, a lot more mean-spiritedly. And... And if you want to argue that it was the time and place, watch Boondock Saints 2, which is far more homophobic. Tell us about Boondock Saints 2. came out too. 10 years later. Tell us what, what goes on in Boondocks, Boondocks 2. Well, you've seen it, haven't you? Yeah, but it, it was so long ago, I don't remember it and didn't watch it again. They come back and kill more people. I yeah, mean, but isn't it like the two brothers are like living and hiding in Ireland? Right? Yeah, they're living in Ireland with their dad. And then the the son of, so in this film, the Yakavetas, that's yeah, the big Papa Joe. mob family. And Papa Joe is the leader, not Papa John. But uh, he is the the ultimate sort of like big crime boss that they're trying to get to in in this, in the first film. Yeah. And they kill him at the end in the big climax in the middle of a courtroom full of people. Right. And then they just leave. Um, and uh, contrary to what you're saying, uh, when you summarized it and said at the end is they become the boondock saints and they kill more people, I guess they've decided uh, we've now solved crime in Boston. So we're going to go move to Ireland and live on a farm with our dad. That sounds nice. So it does. It sounds funny, very nice. But uh, crime did continued shockingly. Mm. Mm. And uh, so the son of Big Joe, played by Judd Nelson, um, is is don't you forget about previously unmentioned and is now out of prison. And so he wants to lure them back uh, so that he can get his revenge. Does he have a cool name like Papa Joe? He maybe I don't remember. His cool name is Judd Nelson was cheap. Um, And so he stages a murder of a priest in like the style of the Boondock Saints. And he knows that if they're being blamed for murdering a priest, which mm. is, you know, sacred to them, that that will get them to come back to clear their name. And so they do. Yeah. So my question is, if they're already living in Ireland and there's a murder in Boston, why don't they just go, hey, uh, we're, we're in Ireland? Yeah, you would think there, I, as I said that there was more of a plot, but it doesn't make any sense. It's completely incoherent. By the way, uh, Judd Nelson's name, Concesio Yacaveta. There you go. So he just good. has a normal name. It's not name. like, yeah, it uh, doesn't have a cool name. Maybe Joe. No, no. It's just that there are other people had nicknames. There was a Gorgeous George was one of mm. like the henchmen that, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a scene of Gorgeous George. He's getting a massage. And uh, when the Boondock Saints capture him, he's just in these little tight uh, Speedo type underpants. 
and then he shits his pants oh, and then there's good. a there's a nice shot of the shit stain on his pants and really that's kind of a metaphor for the film as a whole so uh let's get back <laughs> but, to the original though because that's the topic so of they this. go and they do that right and uh-huh. uh and then they just do more murders yeah they do some more mur- like they're they're trying to clear their names but in the meantime they're like yeah we're here let's murder some people so uh they murder some random other they, they murder some like uh chinese heroin uh smugglers and at one point for who's some watching reason. the farm all this is going on well dad's back at the farm for a little while also we get a bunch of flashbacks like Troy Duffy was like, I'm going to make Godfather 2. Yeah. And so we get the whole origin story of Billy Connolly's character. And, and to be fair, I got stuck watching the two hour and 20 minute director's cut of this film, which was the one that was available easily to stream. So maybe it's, uh, you know, slightly less unfocused in the main theatrical cut. Speaking of the Godfather, I did find, which <laughs> no, this is comparing, no. which, you know, let's keep comparing this movie to that. I did find it totally odd and uh, very insensitive that Billy Connolly's character is nicknamed El Duce, which is Mussolini's nickname. Mm. You probably don't want to, like, you know, nickname your character the Fuhrer or something like right. that. Right. No, know? that's a good point that I, I missed that, but totally fair. Also, Il Duce, Italian. Yeah. Billy Connolly's character. I mean, I think it just means like the boss. Or well, something. right. Yeah, exactly. But but yes, it has those connotations that uh, you Mussolini. Probably, yeah. Right. You right. don't you don't want. But I would think that Troy Duffy was not ever concerned with the insensitivity in any way. Yeah. I mean, when I was watching Overnight, like um, like, you know, he's just a jerk to everybody. Right. And I'm like, I could I can not only just tolerate it, but also be like, this is a dude in his twenties. He got too much money too fast and already had a big ego. And now he's just like a raging narcissist and his everything's falling apart and he can't get it back together. So his ego's taken over and all he can do, it's like all he can do is try to fight out of the corner. Right. That's how I felt. But then at one point in time, he goes, you know, uh, you know, we're not going to see any money, this record label, look at how Jewish they're being. And I was like, yeah, uh, that one's not good, Troy. You yeah. can't, you, you know, between that and Il Duce, maybe slow down a little on the racism, fella. Well, there's a uh, huge, like, center, like, a long scene that clearly Troy Duffy thinks is hilarious of Rocco, D- David Della Rocco, who is playing uh, himself, Rocco. I guess. Yeah. Um, telling this horrible racist joke. That is the way the way the way to demonstrate why he gets the nickname funny man, because he can tell this awful racist joke. Now, the racist joke. Yeah, now I have to defend (laughs) the racist joke. Oh, man. What are you going to do with this? Jason defends racist joke. This is going to be our social media post about this episode. The racist joke wasn't even the offense, the most offensive part of the scene. It was that every time he said there was a black guy, the two other people in the scene made him say the n-word to describe him that was clearly the most uncomfortable part of it and like you know not necessary at all no no and and you get the sense too that troy duffy is like hey guess what i can say in this movie (laughs) yeah there was no point there was no point to it yeah of course also worth mentioning that one of the people in that scene encouraging the use of the n-word is ron jeremy yeah problematic (laughs) yeah a little (laughs) a little bit a little bit um, can we talk about what else is terrible in this film? Oh, how about I go over some alternative casting? For uh, you? All right. I don't see how they could. They could have cast the greatest actors of all time in this film, and it still would have sucked. Well, I'll tell you who that was there. Once Dave hits us with the alternative casting song of the week. <laughs> he did it. Close enough. Steven Dorff and Mark Wahlberg is Connor and Murphy. Yeah, they're they're suitably terrible. Other names, Brendan Fraser and Nikki Cat. That could have been interesting. So. Uh, yeah, that would have been something. Jim Carrey. In which part? I mean, I think he wanted him maybe for Smecker, I don't know, or maybe for one of the brothers. Who knows? So and then Ewan McGregor wanted to do the movie. But then they got into like a fight over the death penalty and he passed on it. Sure. And Wahlberg was going to do it, but he, he, or was considering it, but did uh, Boogie Nights instead. But again, this was like a huge, you know, this was a huge deal. He had all these people like in overnight, they show him like meeting with all these celebrities at that bar, Jay Sloan's that he was supposed to own and everything. And, you know, Kenneth Branagh, Patrick Swayze, Sylvester Stallone. Bill Murray, Mike Myers, Kevin Spacey, he would have fit in. <laughs> yeah, and he really would have. Robert De Niro for Specker. So, wow. Know. 
I wow. like that it's just everyone. They like all every wanted. Actor. They all want. Imagine if <laughs> Kenneth Branagh had done this and Wild Wild West in the same year. Oh, I don't. I don't think that's a good thing to imagine at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know what I did notice that no one on that list is Irish. <laughs> I mean, Ewan McGregor's Scottish. Or so, something? so is Billy Connolly. Yeah, yeah, but that's not the same. Yeah, Brendan uh, Fraser. He sound, that sounds Irish to me. He's American. They're but all, he's like American Irish. Yeah, but but none of them have an actual Irish accent, and that the accents are so bad. Mike Myers could do an Irish accent. Yeah, I guess, but I mean, it would be a ridiculous. Mike Myers is known for the Scottish accent. My wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's about where where was where was Sasha Baron Cohen on that list? <laughs> I mean, you know, the the accents in the, the Irish accents in this movie are as good as the Irish accent in the Leprechaun films. <laughs> in fact, I thought I would rather be watching the Leprechaun movies. Maybe the Leprechaun and the Boondock Saints could have a crossover. And he could kill the Boondock Saints. Josh, when Boondock Saints 3 comes out, which we'll have to cover just to continue this legacy, do you want it to be called Saints Preserve Us or Legion? I mean, it has to be called Saints Preserve Us because I, like that. I, I mean, it, it's bad because, but that continues because, of course, Boondock Saints 2 is called All Saints Day, which makes no sense. But you got to have just the word saints in there for I, no reason. I agree. I agree. I'm all for that. Dave, anything else on this one? There was one good line that made me laugh pretty hard. Uh, when he's uh, One of the cops was said something. Was it the racist joke? No, <laughs> it's not that line. One of the cops said, uh, maybe it's one guy with six guns. And it was one guy with six guns. Yeah, right. It was, was Greenlee. He got it right. Greenlee, go get me uh, a coffee. Greenlee. And those, <laughs> those, those cop characters are just like, you. clearly Troy Duffy thinks they're hilarious. And... <laughs> They come back in the sequel, all three of them. Why are you there getting me a bagel, Greenlee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, like one other thing, right? So as you summarize this, they start by killing these Russian mobsters who have threatened to close down their beloved bar, right? That's their first thing. They get in a fight with the Russian mobsters. The Russian mobsters- They try not to get into a fight. Right, but they do. And then the Russian mobsters come back and try to kill them. And to be fair, they defend themselves with a- toilet jumping off yeah. a roof well and, the guy was chained to the toilet he didn't have a choice yeah uh and they kill the russian mobsters right yeah. so they've ever been chained to a toilet nope okay sorry josh go on yeah so so they get arrested for this right and they turn themselves in. they, they turn themselves yeah. in smecker though he's you know a genius and he figures that out and so they confess we killed the russian mobsters it was self-defense yeah he doesn't charge okay them. right and then they get let out then they start just killing a bunch of other people. And Smecker, genius, goes <laughs> to investigate the killings. And it's like, hmm, here are some dead Russian mobsters. Who could possibly have done this? I don't know. Bidding war, Josh. Not just, you know, Weinstein, who was the, you know, uh, was the king of the Indies then. Michael DeLuca at Paramount, another huge indie, indie name. Like, that's it. Those are the guys you want bidding over your... Stuff in the 90s, right? I think this is a demonstration of how no one in Hollywood knows what they're doing at all. Greenlee. Hand <laughs> <laughs> me a cup of tea, Greenlee. Yeah. I, I got nothing, Josh. Yeah. No, we can, I can stop harping on how terrible this is if you want to wrap this I up. I mean, we and, should rate it, right? Yeah. Yeah, we can rate uh, it. What do you want to rate it out of? Five, uh, five falling toilets? <laughs> sure. Let's do that. Why not? I give it two and a half falling toilets. Okay. I'm going to give it one and a half. And it, like I said, it's one of the worst movies we've ever talked about here. So, Dave? Two from me. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, that's generous. Yeah, it is kind of generous. For both of you. Well, we'll come back then in a moment and talk about the legacy of the Boondock Saints. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1999, we have been talking about our future cult classic pick, Troy Duffy's Boondock Saints, which I, someone listening probably hates me because they love this movie. Yeah, so. and I want to hear from you if you're that person. Eviscerate Josh on there. Because this has a huge cult following, as we've said. It, it would have been great because you said all three of those cops come back in the second one, but Willem Dafoe doesn't, right? Well, should I spoil the second one? Yeah, you should. Okay, yeah, he does. Oh, uh, he clearly, they could not afford actually getting him. He has a cameo at the end 
the idea is that uh, his his character is dead, supposedly. And so his protege, who if you think Smecker is annoying, wait till you meet his protege, uh, Eunice Bloom, played by Julie Benz yeah. in this horrendous, like, uh, terrible accents, this ridiculous Southern accent. Um, so she's sort of the Smecker figure. She's the genius. And, and like Smecker, she is secretly endorses the boondock saints and is trying to help them behind the scenes. Yeah. So at the very end, she has to like go into hiding because she's helped them, you know, too much and whatever. And, uh, she's going to some dock or something to go on a boat to escape. And there's Willem Dafoe. He's Smecker. Smecker faked his death. For some reason. Yeah, because there's too much heat on him. Right? Yeah, I guess. And 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 Smecker has uh teamed up with the Catholic Church to uh create some sort of a vigilante killing network, I think mm. it seems like. You know who they should start with? The people. Catholic Church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> people inside the Catholic Church. Yes. I just think that would have been a good runner to like, you know, because we know the third one's about to be made next year, right? And they had the Allegedly. second one, like yeah. Well, Redis and Flannery signed on, I think. They did. Know. Yeah, that was a that was a point of contention. They had had some kind of falling out, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. But uh, how could that be? Yeah, because Troy Duffy's such a reasonable guy. Yeah. I mean, and Sean Patrick Flannery, uh, he needs to work. No, he doesn't. Look well, up his IMDb. He, but his IMDb is 99% B-movies that went straight to video that you've never heard of. And European television. He works a lot in Yeah, but TV. but does he make a ton of money? I'm sure if he could come back to like some cult okay. franchise, like he but needs you to say work. that, but Norman Reedus doesn't. Right. Exactly. So that, that was my point is that why Norman Reedus must've, maybe he has some, you know, affection for this or whatever. Uh, like a lot of people do. Yeah. I'm just saying in one, you know, like uh Smecker was like, you know, Greenlee, get me some coffee. Like if we could escalate that in each one, like, you know, Greenlee, get me a meatball sub. Like, so now he's gone from breakfast to lunch. And then in part three, he could just be like, Greenlee. Get me a roasted chicken dinner, Greenlee, and just keep going. I would, I would like it. And then you know, in the fourth one, because there's going to be a fourth oh my one. God, you're Are right. you going to watch all of these? Greenlee, get me a chocolate lava cake. It's the end of the night, Greenlee. I you know what? You know what is is probably more likely even than a fourth Boondock Saints is a Boondock Saints TV series, They've, streaming series. Yes, and Troy Duffy, who you don't like, would have. I was going to say he's plenty capable of like shooting something like that. He but, is. Plenty capable of shooting something. <laughs> so actually, it's funny you mentioned that. It was being developed in like 2016. It was called Origins. Oh, of course it was. Yes. And uh, you know who he developed it with? Sam Macaroni. Oh, uh, well, we get to Sam Macaroni in a minute, but I just want to uh, puncture your your amusing fantasy and let you know that Greenlee is uh, killed in Boondock Saints too. Why? Because <laughs> they need like a moment of I sacrifice really yeah, you know the the three the three dopey detectives are now like the boondock saints allies yeah you know so their their enemies have to like you know really hurt them and so one of those guys is expendable and really there's green and that's bob marley who's i think it's the comedian bob marley yes it's not the comedian. reggae singer no but i mean there's it's not like the most uh you know out there name there's probably more than sure two. yes um yeah. josh there's also the comic that goes back into the origin of Il Duce called In Nomine Patris. That's great. Yeah, I wonder if it lines up with the origin story in Boondock Saints too. So I think, I mean, the third one's coming. We're going to watch it. No, we're not. We are. Well, you you might. I'm, I'm going to try not to. I'm going to watch it. And another important point of this legacy, as, as Jason noted, uh, Sam Macaroni, <laughs> yeah, YouTube video creator, somehow must have become friends with Troy Duffy. And uh, when good old Sam Macaroni had the chance to make his feature film debut with the comedy Guest House starring Polly Shore, who is the co-writer and co-producer of Guest House? It's Troy Duffy. Yeah, who on that podcast talked about how Polly Shore just killed it in that movie. He killed something in that movie. So yeah, I made Dave it watch your will it. will to live? <laughs> yeah, it was my will to live. <laughs> so I've seen it. I reviewed it when it came out. And, and Dave, sadly, also saw it. I have a question for you, Josh, since we both watched this movie. Yes. What's worse, this or, or Guest House? Oh, Guest House is worse. Yeah. Guest House is definitely okay. worse. Yeah, as bad as Boondock Saints 2 is, it does have that like, actiony badass stuff that it's like a bad version of that but sure. it's tolerable and guest house is just like 99% like i talked about the pants shitting in the boondock 2 there is a Polly shore has an epic 
shitting of the oh, pants yeah. in guest so house. So what? What? So you gave this one and a half. What would guest house? Be? I think I gave guest house one star oh. when I reviewed. I and I think I actually when I wrote like my professional review, I think I gave it an F because that was the the rating system that was used on that site. Yeah, it's nothing. Yeah, it's just nothing. It's yeah. It's it's really it's what really pathetic. What did you give it? Then? I gave it one. I think mm, I yeah. didn't watch it. I watched overnight. Much which better. Is great. Yeah, it's oh, really. I want to watch great. that. And uh, you know, we just talked about American Movie, a documentary about making movies. Overnight's another one of those. I love those type of pieces. Yeah, those are those would be good companion pieces. American Movie and Overnight. Yeah, uh, definitely. But um, but, but those guys didn't really do anything afterwards either. Though the really. documentary filmmakers there. Yeah. 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 Um, what, what I wonder is, will Pauly Shore be in Boondock Saints three? I uh yeah I don't I don't have an answer. I mean, we know he likes to work with comics, right? So. Yeah, yeah. And uh you know, Troy Duffy said apparently that he killed it in in Guest House and That's what he said. He did say a few other things in that podcast. <laughs> Obviously, in if it was hustle. 2 hours long. Alex Ferrari. I like that podcast. I do recommend it. So, he did say cult classic is too like he's like cult classic, my two favorite words. Like he embraces oh, this whole thing. Of course he know? does. Of course so, he does. And then he talked about two other uh, movies that he was working on besides Boondock 3, which who knows if there's a lot of I love looking at Troy Duffy's IMDb. The entirety of Troy Duffy's IMDb is three Boondock Saints movies, Guest House, and a YouTube video that's a Knight Rider parody also directed by Sam Macaroni. Sam Macaroni. What's he doing next? <laughs> Anything he wants. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it was called the Blood Screen Council or the Blood Scream Council, but it sounds very familiar. It's about serial killers who track down other serial killers and so murder it's them. Dexter? It sounds like something like that, right? And then yeah. the government's like, oh, we can't let them know that we're behind this. And then he's got one that's it's like the exact same thing as Boondock Saints. And too. it's like Boondock and Dexter. Then we have this other one that just sounds like totally wild where it's already he's trying to build it as a trilogy it's called glastonbury it's based on the story that at some point jesus had visited london or glastonbury i'm you know and all these like all these like i think he calls them like the jesus all-stars all these people like take up the cause of jesus after jesus dies and go around the world like defending the honor of you know but i mean isn't that just christianity well, I don't know, Josh. Well, anyway. Thank goodness Troy Duffy still has no good ideas. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you what I read, what he's got going for himself, and I can't... I those can't. movies will never be made. You know those movies will never be made. Uh, or if they are made, they'll become Pauly Shore comedies somehow. Yeah. Um, well, hey, man, what do you want from me, Josh? No. I'm just trying to tell you what's happening. You are reporting the news, and I cannot fault you for that. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, Jason, you were a fan of The Walking Dead, right? Norman Reedus, he's... Mm-hmm. He's all right on that. He's good on that. I just got so sick of that show, man. I had to stop. But it's huge for him, as you've said. I mean, The Walking Dead is about to end, but he's going to get like his own spinoff, him and one other character. Another so. one. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Him and what is his character's name? Daryl? Yeah. Daryl and Carol, I think, are getting oh, their own gosh. spinoff together. They're both alive and on it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he's he's emerged as just maybe by virtue of his character not getting killed off. He's like the biggest star from that show at this point. From that show, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Now, Willem Dafoe. He's got, listen to this, right? Willem Dafoe is great. Willem Dafoe is the only one who comes out of this one. We love Willem Dafoe. Yeah. French Dispatch and the card counter this year, right? So we, yes. got, we got Wes Anderson, Paul Schrader. Next year, Nightmare Alley, Guillermo del Toro. The Northman, Robert Eggers, Dead for a Dollar. Walter Hill, reteaming. Oh, yeah. Streets of Fire. And yeah. Poor Things with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Lanthimos. Oh, Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah, yeah, Lanthimos. yeah that's nice. great. He, he also this year had a, it was a terrible movie, but uh, an Abel Ferrara film that he made called Siberia. Yeah. And he's done a ton of stuff with Abel Ferrara, who's like him or not, he's a, certainly a distinctive auteur. So yeah, yeah, Willem Dafoe. And I think he's one, you know, he's like Nicolas Cage in a way in that he can go super crazy over the top, but you put him in the right context and you get him working with the right director and it's, it's, fascinating it's spectacular but he but unlike nicholas cage he doesn't have to only do that true he, true he's very good like as a serious actor yeah i mean nicholas cage can be too but he's yeah. less inclined to do that right but yeah willem dafoe also supposedly Spider-Man. returning in the new spider-man movie 
So, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's Spider-Man. <laughs> Get me an English muffin, Spider-Man. All right. I think that's, that's, that's the place we want to end. I so, love nooks and crannies, Spider-Man. That is the boondock saints. And the butter is, gets in the nooks and then you have the Biden. You're like, ah, there's a cranny. There's not even a Willem Dafoe oppression anymore. Greatly. <laughs> <laughs> that is this episode I mean, of awesome movie year. Check us out on social media. We're on social media. I'm Jason Harris comedy on the socials or J Harris comedy. Figure out which one and go to it. I don't have a website. I don't think if I do, it might be called go for Jason, but really who cares? And we're at awesomemovieyear.com, Awesome Movie Year Facebook and Instagram, Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter. Uh, not much on my website either at joshbellhateseverything.com. Also, Josh Bell Hates Everything on Facebook and at Signal Bleed on Twitter. And listen to our producer, David Rosen's awesome podcast, Piecing It Together. Check out Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget about our Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces Facebook group where I'm sure there's some Boondock Saints fans. Yeah, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> Show up in that group and tell us what idiots we are. Mm. So what do we have in our next episode, Jason? Josh, it's our winner of our audience choice first ever tournament chosen by our listeners what we did because there were so many teen movies in 1999 we built a whole ncaa style tournament we had single elimination uh brackets you know and next week we're gonna reveal the winner of the tournament and cover that teen movie from 1999 so tune in next time for our winning teen movie and thanks for listening to awesome movie year Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. An All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas. I gave Boondock Saints the same as I gave Star Wars. You gave Star Wars to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Star Wars was also the personal vision of a, yeah. a Hollywood outsider. Yeah. Who, that, the, uh, who spawned a lot of merch. Lived off the merchandising. Right? Right. So perfect. There Makes you go. total sense. <laughs>